0: and esteemed guests on the drivehubler.com hotline. He is a best-selling
1: author, a former presidential candidate, and the former Speaker of the House. His new book, March to the Majority, a real story of the Republican Revolution, is out. Newt Gingrich joins us. Mr. Speaker, how are you? I'm doing great, and it's great to be talking with you. Listen, I'm going through the book right now. I haven't finished all of it. I'm through about 10 chapters. I'm at the contract with America right now. So what do you think of what's happening right now with the current speaker, Kevin McCarthy? You decided to go with a contract with America. I know Kevin McCarthy hasn't had as
0: easy of a road. It's his commitment to America, I believe.
2: Right. What do you think? That's right. Well, I think <clears throat> two things. I mean, First, first of all, I think it was the right general direction, and I'm proud that he – it's hard to pull these things together. He had the disadvantage that he went to the conference and came up with like 150 good ideas. But the problem is you cannot market 150 good ideas. Uh, It's just too many. They should have picked the 10 best. That would be my first observation. Second, uh, I think that he has got a challenge – in that when we did the contract with America, we were very fortunate because the Republican National Committee chair, Haley Barber, uh, bought four pages in TV Guide at a time when TV Guide was yeah. the number one, you know, this tells you how dated it was. But, you know, 92 million households got TV Guide. And so it was really quite remarkable. Uh, that is not um, <clears throat> where we are today. Uh, so he... He probably should have picked 10 issues. I mean, he certainly had the right idea, which was to be positive. And then uh, I think that he should have um, taken that. And he should have, in addition, uh, figured out a way to spend probably 5 to $10 million on advertising. Because if you don't have some method of telling you, you know, getting it out there, then for all practical purposes, it doesn't exist. And then people didn't see it. I do think there was enough information out there that it it helped them win the majority. And remember, McCarthy as leader gained seats in 20 and gained seats in 22. The Senate was losing seats both years. So you'd have to say that on one level, he's been a reasonably successful uh, leader for the House Republicans.
1: His time as speaker seems like it's a little different than yours because it feels like— and again, I'm not there every day. I don't know how often you're there every day, Mr. Speaker, but the Republican Party seems like it's a little divided at times. You've got the Freedom Caucus people over here. You've got your traditional old-school Republicans over here. That's been a problem for McCarthy. How would you handle that?
2: Well, I, look, I had the same problem, uh, but I had a much bigger majority. We, we picked up 54 seats, so we had about a 230-vote vote. Republican conference. He could lose, you know, 12 members and still be okay. He has a very narrow majority. uh, And I would say that the hardest line group is probably as unreasonable now as they were when I was speaker. This is a problem that I've had. It's a problem that John Boehner's had. It's a problem that um, Paul Ryan had. Uh, There are some people who believe that if you throw a temper tantrum and pout, uh, that everything will work out. Well, in the real world, that, it doesn't work like that. Uh, you've got to negotiate. And if you, and by definition, if you negotiate, you are not going to get everything you want. I mean, it's just a fact. And, and so I think that's part of what has made it difficult for them to be able to govern effectively.
0: It, it, Mr. Gingrich, uh, Nigel here. I, I I'm just wondering, and I want to get back to the book in just a second. The book um, is called "March to the Majority: The Real Story of the Republican Revolution." I want to get back to exactly, you know, the synopsis of that book and what's it about. But t- tell me why somebody. It seems like being Speaker of the House is a really difficult position and you have to have a you have to have a certain attitude a certain hoot spot to 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 want to, to be the house speaker because it does seem like it's awfully confrontational and awfully difficult to pull off
2: sure well I mean first of all recognize that the house is 435 uh, independently elected senior class presidents Right. So, just, <laughs> right. so, so I, mean, I mean, in all fairness, every single person represents the people of their district. Every single person won an election. Every single person has a constitutional right uh, to be who they are and to vote the way they want to. So you've got to, you know, we, we developed a couple of terms. One was uh, the concept of, of cheerful persistence. You just get up every single day and you keep persisting uh, no matter what. Another was the concept of, uh, that, that uh, of listen, learn, help and lead where you you start every meeting by listening to the other people. Uh, we also worked very hard on getting people to say yes if rather than no because. And I would say to the the people who are currently you know causing trouble under what circumstance could you be part of the team? I mean if the only circumstance you can be part of the team is that the whole team has to do what you want. Uh, remembering that the rest of the team, is about uh, 210 people and you are 11 or 12 uh, do you really think you're going to be able to tell all 210 do what you want or you'll, you know you're, you're going to be you'll be a permanent obstacle I mean they, they could do that and they could make it impossible to govern the house uh, but I think back home people pretty rapidly get tired of that
1: Newt, I think we would be uh, doing our audience a disservice if we didn't ask you your thoughts on what you're seeing with Donald Trump right now, the indictment, the arraignments, all things and in between.
2: I think it is the most dangerous pattern since the Civil War. Hmm. I think to have a major leader who was the front runner for his party's nomination be indicted by a Justice Department of the opposite party Sets up such a tremendous tension, particularly at a time when they're not investigating Hunter Biden's millions, which, by the way, I believe are Joe Biden's millions. They're not investigating the Chinese money at the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Delaware. Uh, Nine people in the White House and the Secretary of State were all being paid by the University of Pennsylvania with money that I believe came from communist China. Uh, They're not investigating Hillary Clinton who deleted 32,000 emails. Uh, But we're supposed to believe that somehow it's totally legitimate to go after Donald Trump. And I just think this is a very, very dangerous pattern. This is the the government waging war against the American people. It's the same government that described parents as terrorists because they wanted to go to a school board meeting. It's the same, you know, in California they have a, a piece of legislation in the California legislature, uh, that would say if you if you in any way obstruct your child's gender definition yep. you're guilty of, of child abuse I mean these people want to use the government to force the rest of us. You know, if they could, they'd probably force us to shop at Target and drink Budweiser light.
0: <laughs> you know, Mr. Speaker, um, you've called this program before. I know you've done a thousand interviews. You called this program in the summer of 2020 when the riots were going on all across this country. You were in Italy with your wife because she was w- working at the time as the ambassador of the United States of the Holy See. And, uh, you know, and Italy, by the way, it, if not Wuhan, Italy was sort of the epicenter of COVID and the lockdowns and quarantines. Well, and that, things.
2: That's, that's because there were 100,000 Chinese workers yes. in
0: Northern Italy. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So what I asked you was, like, I'm 47. I'd never seen anything in my life quite like the summer of 2020 where there were riots a- across the country and pro- violent protests. And one of the things I asked you is, you know, in your career in politics and in how, how long you've been involved, have you ever seen anything like that before, or is this unprecedented? And you said... No, I've seen this before. It's 60s and the 70s and the riots in Chicago right. and and that I, it didn't make me feel better but I at least I could understand that what we what I was seeing unfolding in the summer of 2020 was not unprecedented. So let yeah. me pose well, this
2: no, these things happen.
0: Yeah, look you know, l- l- but let me pose the same question for you in terms of the weaponization of the, D- the Department of Justice and Joe B- uh, and, and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Donald Trump and a- as you put it the Department of Justice calling parents concerned parents are showing up at school boards domestic terrorists and Joe Biden actively trying to incarcerate his political opposition. Have you ever seen anything like this in the United States um, in terms of how partisan and divided we are right now?
2: Well, it's ironic that the the Espionage Act, which is one of the major things they're charging Trump with, was passed in 1917, and the Wilson administration, for three or four months, ran a very aggressive campaign of censorship, of locking people up. Uh, It was very, very hostile. And then it all collapsed because the American public wouldn't stand it. That's the only other time I can think of Mm. where you had this kind of extraordinary overreach. Uh, And I mean, even in in World War II or the Cold War, you never had this kind of overreach.
1: Uh, Newt Gingrich with us. Tell us about this latest book, The March to the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution. Again, I'm almost finished. I haven't quite got to the end yet. But from my reading, this is a fun read because you go from the Reagan boost to how you got into leadership, the contract with America and more. Take us behind what somebody can expect if they buy this book.
2: Well, the reason I wrote the March the Majority is because it seems to me we're in a very similar period. We need you know to remember what are the principles that work? How do you win power, which we did after a 16-year project? Then when you have power, how do you use it to negotiate, which we also did? Well, we got a Democratic president, Bill Clinton, to sign four consecutive balanced budgets, the only time in your lifetime to sign welfare reform with a strong work requirement, to sign the biggest capital gains tax cut in history. I mean, you've done a whole list of things. And so if you read March to the Majority, what you're really looking at is a playbook. This is how it works. This is how you can do it. This is how the country could, in fact, uh, have that kind of an impact.
1: I've got the link to the book posted on our Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. Perfect Father's Day gift. March to the Majority, Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We'd love to have you back. Great Great talking with you, and I look forward to being back again. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.